0: Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher.
1: And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life.
0: Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on.
1: You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more.
0: And now, let's get into this week's episode hello hello welcome back to the consummate athlete podcast peter how's it going
1: it's going well i am drinking green tea and we are rushing towards the new year it feels like
0: Yeah, seriously, and actually in my case, that means I am rushing towards my A race of the season or my only race of the last couple of years, which is on February 12th. And I've um, actually, before we even get into the new year side of things, I've been really psyched. I got a countdown widget on my phone. So my home screen has how many days it is till the race. And I gotta tell you, it's actually really nice for keeping it top of mind. And mine is really, I I have it like, just say like race day, crush it. So. It's positive. It's not. It's not meant to be stressful, but it is a good reminder that the days are, the days are ticking down. Well,
1: and I saw your the next book you've put in here for the athletic brookworms is in a similar uh, direction.
0: You'd think I teed that up, but I actually didn't. And then as I started saying it, I thought about that. Yeah, so we're reading uh, four thousand weeks, which sounds.
1: And the idea is that that's about how much time we have on the Earth. Yeah, you know, it's about plus or minus, years. you yeah. know, depending on your your longevity.
0: Yeah, so it's a really interesting book that sort of combines almost this like philosophy of, of time and what it means to be alive and everything with sort of a bit more of a real world. Okay, what does that mean as far as productivity and to-do lists and all that stuff goes? Uh, so it's really interesting and it makes you think about your life, your work, and of course, in our case, your athletic goals. Uh, so that's over consummateathlete.com to grab the, the okay. details. And maybe a
1: good one, you know, coming into the new year, maybe an, another way to look at that, the the changing of the seasons and the changing of the calendar year.
0: I think so. Yeah. And I mean, it's not to say that, Oh, we only have 4,000 weeks, only 4,000 weeks. Uh, so, you know, you need to be doing all these things or that you need to be doing nothing. Um, it's sort of finding that balance point approach and, being really just kind of grateful for everything you have going on, which also segues me into the other note for December, uh, which is that uh, if you're interested in doing a challenge, but you don't really want to do a challenge challenge, there is the one grateful mile, which is just that every day you get out and walk, run, crawl, ride, whatever, one mile where you just think about everything that you're grateful for. Maybe tell someone that you're grateful for them. Maybe you know give someone a call on that mile if just thinking is too stressful for you. Um, But I I like that idea as far as the the challenge concept. Okay, we're going to
1: talk a bit about challenges today. And so that maybe will be a teaser for later.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then I think the the only other thing I wanted to bring up in our we'll call it housekeeping or fun stuff going on with us items is just, uh, you know, tis the season. I know Peter's inbox is getting more and more full with people who want to do a bit of that year-end review looking towards new goals. Uh, A lot of races are announcing their lottery winners. Just a lot of stuff kind of coming out now and people just trying to finish up for the year or hit the next year running, all that kind of stuff. And if you're doing that, booking a coaching call slash consult can be a really good way of doing that without committing to coaching if that's something that is not in your budget or just doesn't really work well with your life you just don't really have it have an interest in having that kind of uh everyday sort of thing but you you want to just hear hear from someone else like how is your training going what should you be doing um i did similar with a dietitian a couple of weeks ago we just sort of talked through my recent blood work and how i could tweak what i'm eating to you know optimize some stuff mm-hmm. um, and yeah i know a lot of people are booking in with you to do that for their 2022 goals right now
1: yeah i've always liked that consultation it's something i use a lot you know when i was doing leadville many years ago now 10 years ago you know just you you paid to talk to like an altitude specialist or or whatever right um so i think i've always been sort of wired up that way where you know there's people who really specialize on certain things and you can you know check in with them on that and so with coaching it might be you know you're getting ready for unbound and you know you're sort of a do-it-yourself type person but you want to get an idea of sort of where someone like yourself might start and what sort of some you know checkpoints along the way might be so yeah so that can work well and then similarly i mean it's also a good time even if you're thinking of starting coaching or a training plan in the new year uh you know like anything like it'd be good if you you know touch base sooner rather than later
0: you're not going to get a spot if you try to start on january 1st
1: uh for coaching yeah that that could be true for sure
0: yeah Yeah. So I think, and just either to just quickly add to that. So whether you're training yourself, whether you work with another coach or you're even using a pre-made plan, uh, you know, you can always get a second opinion on all of those things. And I think that's actually super, super useful, especially the pre-made plans. If you have a schedule that doesn't really suit the nine to five with weekends off, uh, having, a a coach consult, they can help you sort of play around with the pre-made plan and tweak it. So it actually is much more effective for you and what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And I have a few clients it's either that, that that sort of gets weird because then I'm looking at someone else's plan that they've built for you. But I I do, I I think the ones that work well are when people sort of build out their own plans and then sort of get feedback on that. And we can, you know, sync up the, our training peaks accounts. Uh, if you use that or, you know, people use spreadsheets or whatever, we can do that too. Right. And that way I can sort of point out what maybe looks a little irregular or what might get you in trouble or isn't enough or is too much. Um, So yeah, so those can be really fun.
0: Cool, all right, well, what do you think? Should we get right into the questions here? Well, we have
1: three questions today, so we probably should. I think some of them, you know, two of them, I think we should be able to cover fairly quickly, but which one do you wanna start with? Which one are you keen on?
0: I think we should get into the challenges. I think we teased it there a little bit. Okay, we teased
1: it and it's already here.
0: So you you were just doing your monthly coffee chat with your clients. And this is a question that had come up for a lot of them. And I know it's coming up for a lot of our listeners because, again, tis the season, uh, a lot of brands are putting out these challenges, whether they're on Strava or Training Peaks or just on social media, where it's, you know, the Festive 500 from Rafa comes to mind. But I've seen tons of just 30-day challenges. It's a a popular one. Yeah,
1: there's lots of these, right? Like every day in December or whatever, right? And I don't know. It's always struck me as a little odd and i mean everyone's schedule and you know expectations of the holidays and some people just aren't into the holidays right and and they want to do something else and they're you know it's always just struck me as like a busy time of year and probably far away from things to do too much hustling And, and to me that's what a challenge is in most cases you said this gratitude challenge is you know maybe a a different way to look at that but like when i hear challenge i mean like there's a plan uh you know training and then there's like this you know, hustle or challenge or like, you know, this is it strikes me as like two week abs or, you know.
0: Yeah. No, I think the I'd say a lot of the origin of these challenges started from even it's only been in the past couple years that we've started really leaning into the fact that it's okay to have a break during the holidays if you want to spend the holidays just chilling out and actually relaxing and recovering. Yeah. But I think there was this time, probably for a solid decade, where it almost It was like out of style to spend your holidays actually enjoying the holidays and really relaxing into them. It was this like, yeah, this hustle of like, oh, good, you're like off work for a week between... Christmas and New Year's okay like let's go hard what does
1: David your coach what does he he's usually he's usually in favor of eating cake and enjoying things like this he
0: did try to give me a 20 miler on Christmas day though right? Uh, but that just happens to be because Christmas lands on a Saturday and I was like ah David I'm not running 20 miles on Christmas which is
1: an important reminder sometimes the coaches are thinking more like time to the the race day and your race day is actually coming up quickly Mm -hmm. which is maybe the you know when it might make sense to hustle if you're off work or something And,
0: and yeah it's not like we got rid of the 20 miler we just shifted it a day back so right. i'll do it on friday so i'll be very tired on christmas eve
1: so i mean i think it comes back you know we had our, our training camp discussion that uh you know some people agreed with or did not agree with i thought we were you know sort of back and forth on it uh for, but for really, what it's
0: worth we love training camps yeah
1: yeah i thought that we maybe ended with that and maybe people had turned it off or something by that point but the you know idea is that like and, and everything is good everything can be bad you know you can do too much of anything have too much of anything um but we want to make sure we look at you and like your goals, right? And make sure that these are in alignment, right? It might even be values, right? Like if, if Christmas is the thing that like every year, you know, you're, you are know, you don't get to see your family, it's been a tough couple of years here for most people, uh, you know, it might be good to just, you know, fill up the banks, you know, of, of that, you know, spending time with your family, enjoying Christmas movies, you know, whatever you're doing, cutting down Christmas trees. So if you don't train a couple of days, I think that's fine in December if we're building towards an August or July or June, whatever race. Uh, you know, it's really not that, you know, it doesn't have to be the time that we hustle and cram things in just because you're off work for an extra day or two. Right.
0: I have every intention of both watching Christmas movies and cramming in my miles. Thank you very much. <laughs> OK. If we could just bring my treadmill down to New Jersey. Well, so well and could... again,
1: you're in a case and we talked about this when you were talking about your what was that episode about?
0: When we talked about the 100 mile and we talked about the sacrifices a scary and goal. what yeah. you have to give up and all that. Yeah.
1: And, and so that was one thing was that you were going to have to give up a bit of like your lazy Christmas and you know how many days and how lazy it could be and, and that sort of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the idea. I think you just want to look at it, you know, so the, in the case of this Rafa, uh, festive 500, the idea was that you do 500 kilometers, I believe outdoors. And that was the original thing. Right. So of course this has gotten like blended and changed because no one rides outdoors anymore grump, grump, grump. Um, So, you know, and so what is the, what is the challenge then, right? And if we can change it one way, could we change it another way? Right. And so my contention is always, well, if I, you know, do two hard workouts in the week and maybe I do one big, fun, long adventure ride, uh, you know, Christmas might be in there. New Year's Eve might be fun. You know, maybe some cross training. Maybe I enjoy the snow if there's snow and I go skiing. uh, Maybe we're fat biking. You know, I might ride 300 kilometers and you know maybe i run a little bit or hike a little bit but then i'm like well i didn't do 500 right so then does the 500 anchor start making me like well i have to ride my road bike you know with a tailwind on pavement you know or something like this right Right. i can't go fat biking even though the snow is just primo uh can you say primo anymore yeah yeah no one says it but i said it um yeah
0: like if you're in a ninja <laughs> turtle revival or well, something well that's but... how i grew
1: up i guess but i'm gonna bring back primo so Please don't. if that snow is primo and you can fat bike but you're gonna go 10 kilometers an hour right like that's gonna be a 50 hour week <laughs> right and, and so i don't know it just you want to make sure that it's you're taking advantage of your context the environment you're in and then you're not again missing out like if you have a value system where like family's important and your family's expecting you to be present and you know at the holidays then i think we just want to look at that right and
0: yeah and I actually loved uh, as I was listening to you chat with your clients on Sunday the almost first thing you said about the any holiday challenge was clear it with your family first which is one of my favorite things
1: yeah and map that out right because again it's 500 to me doesn't sound like that much but I mean if your normal week is a hundred kilometers or something right again even including virtual kilometers um, you know it's going to take a bit so yeah. you wanna map that out. Like I'm planning to ride twenty five hours this week. So every day of the week I'm riding like four hours. I don't know if that math map it's close math. You're gonna take a day or two later. Um it's a lot of the day. That's half you know, half a working day.
0: In addition to being tired and I mean it's winter biking, so there's also at least thirty minutes of setup and tear down. Oh, I was even
1: just assuming you're sitting indoors in your basement, but, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean exactly, right? And then you're gonna be eating <laughs> you know, that's gonna take a long time. So, yeah, so I mean, I think not to. I have several clients that are really into this and they do a great job on it and it's their thing. They look forward to it every year.
0: And I think that's a totally valid reason to do it. If you actually enjoy doing it and you've made the time and space for it, then absolutely. I think our hesitation comes when it's a day before and you're suddenly like, I'm going to do this challenge and you haven't really thought about how it's going to structure its way into your life. And it's it almost actually goes to the training camp episode we did where we kind of mentioned that, okay, well, this is going to be your thing then. Well, is this like- a
1: race or is this an event or is this a, a training week, right? And the training week, again, might be if we like plan towards this bigger week when you're off work and you have a few free days, that could be quite valid. But again, that might be a, a five-hour ride, you know, a really solid, you know, interval ride. Uh, and then again, maybe a fun group ride or a swift race or what, you know, hard fat bike ride, whatever you're into, you know, you go out and get back out on the cross-country skis, which is always hard, you know, just a really solid week where you're recovering well, you're spending some time on the couch, you know, again, all of these, these factors, right, that com- contribute to training. It's not just the hours on the bike. It's again, the time recovering, the time you said gear maintenance, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And now on the the flip side, you can absolutely, absolutely use challenges to like push you and inspire you for example you literally just finished your november no ride inside month um yeah no rides till
1: december no trainer till december
0: yeah despite you know some pretty hairy weather situations we'll actually maybe post one of them on our instagram or post your one uh set of photos from yeah i don't know it
1: was snowy i guess is the summary of that but uh, the way i look at uh, the secret to the no trainer till December is you don't have to ride every day so if it's really bad I just you know didn't ride or we went for a walk or I did a bit of running and was easing back into the running stuff Uh, but it's really wasn't I think it's almost self-limiting for me as much as it is because I could go crazy and do like five hours you know especially if the weather was okay but because the weather's not great and I got to clean up my bike and there's only so much time in the day Uh, you know, I had maybe one or two really solid outdoor rides that were maybe Instagrammable and the rest were pretty unremarkable, right? Which is good. That's the good first block of the season, right? It's in the bank, I'm healthy, motivated. I was looking forward to the trainer. So, you know, that's a good place I think to be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then as we kind of alluded to in the beginning there, we also really like the one grateful mile challenge in December, because I think that one, really speaks to a just tis the season as far as thinking about gratitude and what we're thankful for and taking that time to appreciate what we do have and thinking Mm -hmm. about family and friends and all that and i do love that it's it's a run it's a walk it's a ride it's whatever you want it to be but it does involve getting outside and moving your body every day which flip side of those festive 500-esque things the holidays can be pretty tricky for getting outside and getting moving right it's the tendency to kind of sloth on the couch you know does exist it certainly exists for me
1: right and and I mean this borders into then is this you know this almost strikes me as like a process goal or a practice goal right where we have we're going to you know this gravel race in July so this is the outcome goal we have performance goals maybe your you know hours or it could be your test results or a speed or something like that uh, and then below that, you know, if we were thinking about this as like a, you know, a chart, I have one in my head, at least we have all these different process goals, these things that are very controllable, right? So the one I was talking to a client today about, and it's just like, we should be on our bike five days a week, <laughs> you know, frequency, you know, that's all this is. Uh, and, and probably that makes sense to you, right? Maybe you're already doing that, but it is easier said than done, right? Especially as the weather gets bad and life gets busy. That's the holidays, you know, that's sort of just like boom, check those off, right? So it's sort of like you're saying every day for a minute, I'm doing this gratitude, great, right? There's a great little process goal. Check it off at, you know, every Sunday, you do your little, did I do this, right? And log it in your your training log.
0: Mm-hmm, all right, I love it. Okay, so that's, that's challenges, proceed with caution, uh, but again. Make sure they
1: serve you, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, like everything.
1: Like what's the point of this? Yeah, right? okay, perfect.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we had a bunch of questions around what to wear for long rides and runs outside in the winter. So this was uh,
1: coming from the no trainer till December. Yeah. yeah.
0: So how to, how to sweat, how to be sweaty but not freezing right. uh, during the, the wintry months. Uh, I mean, I'm going to just caveat this by saying so much of this is going to be trial and error. Um, it's super difficult to find the right combination of stuff and the right layering technique. And I mean, I'll say I went out on a 14 mile run on Saturday and I got caught in sunshine where snow was melting and then pelted with snow by like a freak blizzard and then just like sleet, storm, rain, Mm -hmm. more sunshine, uh, all probably within like a 15 degree Fahrenheit range throughout the two hours I was out. Yeah, I mean
1: everyone's different. I would say I I always try and remind myself that I have clients in places like Winnipeg, Manitoba and Alaska and they are training outdoors on bicycles and running and skiing and you know, they get outside, right? Cuz you got to at some point get outside. And I try and remember that when, you know, it's, you know, below freezing here, it gets pretty cold in Ontario, but you know, not not like that, right? Right. So I try and remember that All sorts of people, you know, maybe a certain type of person gravitates to those areas and stays in those areas. I don't know. Maybe if you were like a really cold person, you wouldn't or something. Uh, But the, the stuff exists and the people figure it out. And so I think the the bike type is really important. I see people trying to ride road bikes, you know, when it's super cold out and I, I'm just, you know, slow it down, get on a mountain bike, slow yourself down as much as you possibly can so there's no wind. And I think mm-hmm. that's why running and snowshoeing and fat biking tend to be better in the winter is because you're not going so fast, right? You have to slow yourself down. Right. So you're working really hard. You're not very efficient, which is good, right? We're trying to train. Uh, so we may as well just not be efficient and slow ourselves down. And then I tend to like, I'm always changing layers. So I have way more coats than i usually need and a couple sets of gloves uh, i usually start with like a bag up the front of my jersey like just a garbage bag or something sometimes it's like a vest or a raincoat if i if there's a chance it's going to get wet and i just put that up the front of my jacket as a windbreak and then just pull it out and put it in my back pocket if i heat up uh if being the the, the word uh the keyword there so i think that's those are like a couple things of like just you have to overdress but then you have to be disciplined about you know pulling layers off changing gloves your hands like yesterday sorry i went to meet you the other day you were running and i wrote it was quite snowy but really mixed like you were saying i think it was the same day you were just describing and my gloves were actually off even though it was below freezing i had bare hands for a chunk of that just because i was starting to overheat but the hands are such a like cooling you know can cool or or heat you back up right and that might sound terrifying to someone whose hands get cold but i think that's the power of that like extra coat maybe so if you haven't tried getting sweaty and you're always freezing, I would say add a coat until you're actually having a ride where you get super sweaty Mm -hmm. uh, and go from there.
0: Yeah. I think maybe a few, a few notes to, to add to this. Uh, Yeah. Layers definitely. And I think I really like what you said about being okay with pausing and taking layers on and off. I think that's where I've actually failed so many times because I'll get sweaty on the run and I just hate stopping so much that I will just keep wearing whatever I'm wearing and I'll end up just a sweaty mess. So one of the best things I actually found is a friend got them for me for Christmas a couple of years ago. He got me fleece, like mitten type things, but the the finger part flips off, flips oh, up yeah. and over yeah those are great they're so good because whenever i get overheated i can just pull those off without right. actually taking off and my I think, gloves
1: what does the company the cross-country ski craft make some like cross-country skiing has some really great stuff that you can use for running or for a for lot cycling. of friends make
0: them we actually included a pair of uh janji winter gloves in our uh winter mitten gloves in our uh gift guide for runners right um and they're actually great because they have a mitten that folds over the glove so it makes it windproof but then you can pull the mitten part off to cool them off without actually again taking off your glove so you still have like a light glove on gotcha uh which i really like um so those are sort of two things and then i think it's sort of that weird thing of you should be starting for running, especially, you want to start a little cool. Right. And I'd say it's more true in running than it is in cycling because in cycling, you almost want to start comfortable when you step outside because you're going to have that added wind resistance.
1: If the wind's going to be high. I think for fat biking or something like that, you could probably get away. Uh, but again, if you're the type of person who's never experienced being sweaty in the winter or on a cold ride, then you got. I think you just have to overdo it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and figure out where overdoing it is. And then you can always, again, you take the coat off and maybe have a bar bag or a lot of my coats have a big like horizontal pocket. So like I actually will stop sometimes and like take the, one of the lower level coats, uh, you know, not the top coat, the windbreak coat, but the one of the other ones and like jam it awkwardly in the back. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's (laughs) a little, you know, there's a lot of clothing around, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that's the idea. Uh, we had a Finnish friend who we just were out hiking. I guess he has really cold hands. Uh, he's froze them a lot. And he was doing uh, electric, uh, like electric heated gloves, gloves inside of like burly leather
0: mittens. mittens.
1: So not cycling specific or anything. But again, if you're the person where the limiter is the hands or the feet, I think you just have to go, you know, what do snowmobilers do to stay warm when it, they're not, doing, any, you know, not yeah. doing anything? I apologize to snowmobilers, but they're not exercising vigorously. Uh, and they're going quickly and the temperatures for them could get very, very cold, right? Mm-hmm. So what does a snowmobiler do, right? And then we, right. we can like back out. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, what, uh, else? what else, what else? I think running is, you know, that's a great solution. If you can run versus ride, that's gonna be warmer generally, snowshoeing warmer as well.
0: Yeah, and I'd say quality of stuff matters. And actually this, I'll start with the shoe part. Uh, we were running and we both had the same exact pair of shoes but mine were like two years older the other day. And I was like, oh my God, my feet are freezing. And Peter's like, my feet are fine. I don't know what you're complaining about. And I looked down and I realized it's because mine have so many rips and like tears in them at this point. Sure. That like they're just letting snow come right that's in. A
1: piece. You also were wearing more normal socks, whereas I had wool socks. And I do think like a good set of finish wool socks uh, can really make a difference too.
0: Well, that was going to be my next point is the, the, actual material of your everything from socks to underpants to base layers and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, You want to just avoid cotton is sort of, the one big no-no because that one that's what as soon as you get sweaty it gets soaked and gets cold uh, right. so my my cheap athletic socks from Walmart or whatever from a couple of years ago not the best in this situation a merino wool would have been much warmer even a polyester would have been totally sure, fine sure. Uh, so checking to make sure you know a lot of people put on extra layers and if they don't necessarily have a lot of techy stuff they'll put on just like a cotton t-shirt as a base layer or something but unfortunately that actually often just Ends up being worse because as soon as you get sweaty in those, they get wet, and as soon as you cool down at all, it gets real cold. Right, right. I'm
1: and trying to think of. They're not where...
0: expensive. Like i technical polyester is not an expensive no. thing.
1: No, and I almost think at some point again, if you're someone who doesn't experience like getting sweaty, I think you can you're the you're, you can really you could probably use cotton. You know, put on a hoodie and see what ha- happens. Right. I think you you almost need to just go and see. What you can get away with and i know as it's gotten you know really cold here um you know i've I've, we we switched to flat pedals and just you know the warm set of winter boots and you just go out and slug it out Uh, i've done that uh you know bigger coat you know almost like snowboarding type things and you just (laughs) go for it right and
0: yeah i actually have an ice climbing coat that i run in when it's truly truly cold and that one is fantastic uh, right. So looking to other sports that are meant for more of these polar well, and I conditions was just on
1: that same topic. Like I was thinking, you know, part of our, our philosophy here with this consummate athlete is what we're learning from other sports by doing them. So, I mean, if you haven't gotten out and taken cross country ski lessons or experienced snowshoeing or fat biking or, or snowmobiling for that matter, uh, these are sports that you could learn these things. I know Jen Jackson's talked to me, uh, we've had her on a few times, you know, world cup mountain biker now, but like, uh, very, uh accomplished cross-country skier previously uh and she talks all about how they you know would warm up with big coats and then they leave the coats on the side of the trail you know there's usually a post or something and then they're changing undershirts and stuff which sounded very scandalous to me but i guess keeping that uh base layer very dry and, and flipping that if it's a longer day or something i
0: thought this was all just going to come around to you wanting one of those snowmobiler jackets
1: well, i want a pit coat but that's more for between uh, as well but that's an aside but yeah i think trying out some of these other sports you might find you know whether it's certain clothing or certain tactics as well right how do they stay warm you know wind covered front shorts and that sort of stuff
0: right yeah so i think unfortunately a lot of this question comes down to it depends um and ooh, the last thing i'll maybe add is think about the quality of what's going on outside um it might look like it's snow but if it's uh, hovering right around freezing the snow is going to melt on you So in that case, you're going to want more of a raincoat or some kind of like rain type shell rather than maybe a winter coat in some conditions. Or it might actually just be like straight up sleeting or raining. Uh, So in those cases, I think staying dry is as important or if not more so than staying warm.
1: Fenders and things like that would become important as well.
0: Yeah, because I mean, the trick is staying dry, right? As soon as you get wet and that's when we're talking about the sweat buildup. That's when we're talking about moisture getting in. Mm -hmm. That's when things start getting pretty dicey.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. there you go. So explore your environment, uh, try different tactics. I,
0: I do think actually we'll start in the next few weeks on constantathlete.com. It is a feature I've been meaning to put together. That is a bit of what we're actually wearing for various disciplines in various weather. So I'll do one on what I'm wearing in the winter to run and what you're wearing to, to ride. Sure. So look for that. We also do have an infographic. Uh, if you scroll back on our Instagram of how to dress for cycling at different temperatures, that was a nice little matrix
1: how long ago was that
0: oh it's been a couple months but it shouldn't be that hard so to scroll it's like back summer
1: of 2021 yeah okay yeah so. well i'll try and find that and put it in the show notes for everyone
0: yeah or just stalk us on instagram at consummate athlete
1: well you'd have to really go deep on that i guess but you could do that i appreciate you if you do that mm-hmm. so we have one more question
0: yeah. Very so specific
1: listener question.
0: Should it, do you want me to read the whole thing? Uh,
1: you can summarize it. Okay.
0: To summarize it, uh, those of you who are familiar with the Jingle Cross course in Iowa, uh, or have watched the World Cup, it's been a cyclocross World Cup several times now. But it's a long time race. Uh, it's run at a super cool fairgrounds, and it has one brutal hill. It used to be run right around Christmas time. Uh, it hasn't been because of the World Cup schedule uh, for the last few years, uh, but the the run up is traditionally referred to as mount crumpet uh there's usually a grinch at the top it's awesome it's seasonal it is steep as anything uh and it's just a brutal run that i'm gonna say comes out on a false flat at the top so there's just no rest or recovery there the
1: remounts tough yeah
0: yeah so it's a long i mean i'd say even the pros who are running it we're talking at least 10 seconds of running and they're riding halfway up. I think
1: it's more than that even. Yeah. I meant to go and look, but I would say I wouldn't be surprised because you know, you're coming into it on sort of a false flat and it's usually muddy and snowy. And then there's that, as you say, false flat, like it's, I wouldn't be surprised if we're longer than even 30 seconds, like probably 40 seconds plus, but um it's a long run up by cyclocross standards mm-hmm. for sure
0: you don't get many of them anymore for sure so his question is just how do how do you prepare for that and when we first got this question we assumed that he was racing in two weeks or something and we were like oh man like yeah. running for cyclocross Well, we were confused question.
1: we thought maybe they were doing it running another race just locally there or something but he said no he's just a, he likes the race and he's going to do it again in le- next year so like a full year from today ish Uh,
0: which we love because if you listen to any of our previous episodes on running for cyclocross, you know our stance on it, this hard line that we have around when you're right in the middle of your cyclocross race season, that is not the time to completely change your training schedule and start adding in like 10K runs midweek when you've never run before or you haven't run in over a year, but that's how people tend to do it. So that's why we tend to get grumpy about running for cyclocross. But this question with a year ahead awesome
1: right i mean you can go about it a few different ways i I thought those older episodes where we talk about running for cyclocross and then we had bill on because i think bill sort of had a bit of a he sort of disagreed a little bit bill from cx hairs uh and we chatted about that i thought that was a good like constructive you know back and forth on that um but the idea being that like it's just you're not really like you're not marathon running so going out and doing 30 minutes of running you know may help but it's you know a there's a bit of risk to that do you want to spend your time that way uh, just for something where you're going to run beside your bicycle for usually it's not that long right and, and probably where the mount and dismount are the are the critical pieces and the running beside your bike is is less of a, a concern really
0: and i'd say you could even quickly pull up if you want to sort of see where how we do our math on this if you pull up a video of someone running easy uh, or say like pull up a video of like an ultra race someone running like a 50 mile or something and then put that on a screen next to someone running during a cyclocross race and just do the side-by-side comparison about what the runs look like they look very very different almost like they're two totally different sports
1: well there's no yeah i mean you're you're always going to be carrying this you know 20-ish pound you know plus or minus weight you know somewhere right you're either pushing it so your hands are doing weird things your arms aren't swim swinging as you would expect or it's on your shoulder so then you sort of have one arm to swing uh so yeah it, it's a tricky thing and then you're also running usually vertically up a hill unless it's like through a sand pit or or you know mud or something. So there's a couple different elements there. So what I've had people do, you know, a this far out if you're going to cross train and stuff, you know, start with run walks, you know, you can certainly ease into running. I, I think for most, you know, busy people being able to run and being stable with that is probably a good pursuit. Um but if you don't like running or or you have an injury that suggests you shouldn't, um you don't need to do it. But I think then what we get into is, you know, how are your mounts and dismounts, number one? How is your are you able to get your bike on your shoulder really quick? So that's, you know, that's a year of work right there just drilling yeah, mounts so if, and dismounts. If we're
0: thinking about it being, say, a forty five second run up, um, if you can shave off a few seconds with a smoother dismount, remount, if you can dismount while the bike is still moving like at pretty good speed yeah, and never, pop it onto never your never want to come to
1: a stop right so a lot of times you'll see people on a climb like that they'll try and climb it even though they know that like no one's climbing it or even this year like some of the leaders were climbing it but it was pretty close and started you know losing it right and then after say third place i think there there wasn't as much in, in the women's race i'm thinking about specifically there's uh, also
0: a really specific skill to dismounting on an uphill. So even if your dismounts are fabulous heading into barriers, I would shift to practicing dismounting on a hill because that definitely, if I'm recalling right, a lot of the time it's it's a corner coming into it. But you can definitely take a couple pedal strokes up the hill mm-hmm. and like that actually kind of naturally slows you down. So you don't even have to break Uh, to do your dismount right so if you can dismount as you're going up that's going to be such a huge game changer if you're not already doing and
1: then figuring out you know this might mean going to a cyclocross clinic or two or or getting one-on-one coaching specifically for like an uphill dismount to shoulder right and just really geeking out on that and i usually have people do it you know you could do it in the winter you could do it inside if you're really in an inclement area just working on shouldering your bike and where do your hands go and can you get your hands to that position really quickly right so you could have a bike if you have two bikes if you're a cycle cross racer you might have two bikes you know you're hopping off your one bike and then just practicing you know 10 shouldering you know bouts Mm -hmm. Um,
0: now if you're not shouldering because a lot of people will just push their bikes up this hill can we speak to hand position real quick because i know when we watched even the world cups we were both a little i think i
1: i think this climbs long enough and loose enough i don't i know people do push but it's usually muddy or sandy and i, I right. think it's long enough that i think if you just own getting the bike on your shoulder and and just work your way up sure.
0: uh but on that note though generally speaking if you are pushing the bike uh, having a hand on the top tube and one on the bars is much better than having two hands on the handlebars as far as stability and even something for you to push into yeah. to get a bit more i do th- i do think that
1: that's important i mean we are seeing a bit I'm i'm open to change we are seeing people running you know, with both hands on the bars more and running around corners like that. But I do think having that for most people would be the right hand on the top tube, left hand on the hood. Um, I do think that that gives you the crutch of falling onto your top tube, right? That right hand is on there. And then I think it's more natural to keep you upright and positive and moving forward versus what happens when both hands stay on the bars. I find is people get into that death march, you know, looking at the ground, pushing the bike. Uh, and so I, I say like it's it's almost like the the attitude of the position uh, as much as it is you know any sort of biomechanics or you know again the crutch and falling over.
0: Mm-hmm yeah okay so if we've nailed dismounts remounts what do you think about doing like stair sprints because i'm actually almost thinking staircases would be closer to that hill if you don't happen to have that hill yeah if they're not at
1: it sure and you don't have like a logical one i think sure i think any of this like where you're moving up and again because we have so much time you could incorporate that into you know a strength workout or or i was going to say some of the cyclocross people as we're getting ready for the season if they are sort of runners will do something like that like they know walk or run to a park depending on their ability and then we'll do some more of these like targeted actual strides or sprints um you know either just up a gradual hill like if we have achilles tendon you know hamstring issues you you, again this is a long-term process where it's a gradual hill maybe 10 seconds for a week or two 15 seconds for a week or two something like that uh maybe progressing towards 30 or 40 seconds of on time walking back down Uh, and then that easily could be on on stairs if you wanted to right And, and stairs probably are close to what this is like there are sort of irregular stairs in the this jingle cross hill
0: mm-hmm. uh, any other thoughts my only other thing i was thinking about is just equipment considerations i.e toe spikes uh, depending on the day and the weather toe right. spikes might be super helpful again if, if you're you know if Shout you're out not to our
1: previous guest of horse spikes yeah sure, you yeah. want to get you yeah, know, i would be testing spikes and figuring out what best what are the best spikes to get up that hill with uh that's even, a great thought especially if it's sh- snowy and muddy
0: even shoes them actually two things here shoes themselves some shoes are just better for running than others um so making sure that the cycling shoes you are using are going to be comfortable to run in that much on a course because some shoes i've had pairs where running in them the boas start to just dial out so they end up you know stretching off almost after a steep run like that and a run like that your foot's really going to be bending at this weird angle that's really going to be pressing on the laces Mm. Um, it's going to put a lot of pressure on those boas to stay tight so making sure that your shoes are up to the task of handling that because the crappiest thing ever would be to get to the top and you realize now your shoes are super loose and now it's a whole thing
1: and Uh, i think this gets to the you know just making sure that when you are riding and this as a seasonal thing is going to be like on mountain bike rides maybe or your gravel rides that there are Hike-a-bikes, you know, maybe run-ups, but hike-a-bikes, I think, are fine. I think a lot of this can be done in slow motion as a cross-country skier might do, you know, hill walking before they do, hill bounding before they do cross-country skiing. Uh, As a cyclocrosser, you might be doing, you know, a long hike-a-bike so that then you can do a nice, fun downhill trail on your mountain bike. You might be doing, again, like a a slower speed uh, run-up or something, too, on your gravel bike, right? And maybe you're just pushing the bike with your gravel bike because it's all suited up with bottle cages and stuff. Uh, but you're getting used to those small steps and the mount and the remount. Uh, when are you going to remount?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and my my last note is. Uh uh, a pro once told us years ago that you don't win races wearing leg warmers. That has now been disproven many, many times. However, if you are an amateur and you don't have amazing leg warmers, the more you run, the more those leg warmers tend to start winding their way down, warming their way down. So, again, just something you might want to test out before you're on the course. Because I've been on. So you're
1: saying, that, like, if someone were really keen on these to do like t- long tights.
0: Yeah, long tights if you're really committed to having your legs covered, or try Um okay. But just thinking through you know, all of the gear considerations, if you're running up a hill, I've seen a lot of races where you have a lot of people where the leg warmers have started coming down and now it's this awkward, like it's down on their knee and it's bunched up and they're not going to stop and take off the leg warmer. They're just going to do this race with basically like a 1980s style, like leg warmer down their calf kind of situation. And this
1: does get to just like, are you preparing with the like same clothing and the bike and the, you know, all this stuff, right? Are you running for extended period? So, I mean, I think it just gets to doing the thing, right? Sometimes that's, you know, duh. But, you know, the the obvious thing is just trying to do more run-ups. Probably the last thing that I have is just that remount on that climb. If you watch, and again, you should go through the video too, because this is the climb that we're focused on. Uh, I would really look at the remount because a lot of people, like, they accelerate early. Again, they might try and climb too far. So they waste energy that way. They dismount their mount. Or sorry, their dismount is not smooth. The is not smooth. You know, they're sprinting maybe to start and then they run out of energy about 10 seconds into their sprinting up the hill. So I think just like smooth, smooth is fast, smooth is fast, nice and steady. And then as you come over, I, I would focus on trying to crest harder. Um, and by that, I mean like getting yourself up to speed. So you'll, you'll probably run by people who are trying to mount. And you'll see that. I think Megali did a great job of that. If I remember right, there was some people where like they'd get past towards the top of the climb, but then someone would be trying to mount and they'd just run past them till it was flatter until they had a little bit more speed from their their running. And then they get mounted, they get on the gears and away they go, right? So I would say figuring out like, and that's just practice, right? When am I running fast enough that I should get on my bike or should I keep running till I have more speed, right? Because once you're off your bike, you may as well just keep running until you're going faster, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that would be the only thing with that one in particular is the remount can be really tricky, right? And that can be, if you screw up a mount, that's five seconds there. You could have walked up the climb by that point, right?
0: Okay, and of course on that, I'm like, one more note. Uh, Check your gears coming into it because, uh, you know, that's an easy one to mess up too. If you come in and you're in a super hard gear and you remount, you're on this bit of a false flat. Uh, Sometimes that first pedal stroke can be a little brutal, so... Uh, Just thinking through that in the pre-ride, not something you necessarily need to think about now, but as you're pre-riding it, think through, okay, what's going to be where I want to be as I come into this.
1: Sure. Sure. And that might be where, you know, those couple of pedal strokes help out at the bottom, but yeah, it's very maybe specific to the conditions and the the race course and the pre-ride.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Beautiful. Well, I think we will wrap up there. Uh, So yeah, hit us up on consummateathlete.com. We have a contact form. You can find us over on Instagram at consummateathlete. We love getting these questions. It makes us very, very happy. Um, And they're they're super fun to talk about. We'll be doing a bit of our new year, new you episode uh, in two weeks. So if you have any thoughts or questions heading into 2022, definitely let us know. All right. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram, at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.